Hey, can you hear me? Not very well. <clears throat> it's coming in rather scratchy, my friend. Yeah, that mic has issues. Mike, I suggest you try something else. Okay, here we go. I'm just ditching the mic. I need to just get rid of that thing. Simon, that feels like it's more hassle than it's worth. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially in this economy. Uh, you know, I still have your microphone over here that you could borrow since it seems we'll be recording remotely for the indefinite future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm scared I might just ruin it, though. How's the sound now? Crystal. Right. But I think, more importantly, people would like to hear how your afternoon at the Botanical Gardens was. Uh, it was great. I, I highly recommend it. Um, I assume it was Brooklyn, right? Not the Bronx? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect pandemic activity. It should have been open weeks or months ago. Um, it is not crowded by design. They've limited capacity. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not, like, fully in bloom. I feel like that's a spring thing, but... It's got plenty of green stuff going on, uh, you know, flora, fauna, whatever you want. <laughs> what net is most similar to the Brooklyn Botanical Garden, Simon? <laughs> <laughs> um, good question. I would say, huh, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. I guess maybe, I guess Rody Kuruks, because he is someone that I thought needed playing time before. Uh-huh. And now he's finally getting it, and, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's totally flourishing, but he's been much better uh, in this bubble time than he has, uh, than he was previously. So he's, he's given his chance to shine, just like the Botanic Garden is finally allowed to open. And it's shining. When did, was it finally allowed to open this weekend? I think this may be the... I think maybe last weekend was the first weekend. It was open for members in July, like late July. And then I think last weekend was the opening weekend. All right. Simon, can I ask a kind of a personal question? Sure. Uh, did anyone, when you got to the Botanic Gardens, did anyone welcome you to the Botanic Gardens? <laughs> no, they they certainly didn't. Oh well, they may have. I don't know. <laughs> uh, then <laughs> this is going to be kind of an awkward transition, but might we want to welcome some people to our podcast? You bet. Let's show them how, they, how to do it. <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. <laughs> I am your host, William Bluer, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! I wish we could live in this bubble forever! <laughs> we are back, folks, as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. And we have had some highs this season, not really, but let's just say for, for argument's sake, we've had some highs this season and we've had some lows this season. <laughs> but right now, I got to say, this feels like a high for Nets Nation. Oh, yeah. This is as close as it gets to, to a good feeling this year. 
Yeah. Uh, Nets have secured a spot in the playoffs. The absolutely dreadful Washington Wizards. Bradley (laughs) Beal and Davis Bertans in their defense less. Washington Wizards. Absolutely horrible. I believe are the only completely defeated team in the bubble. Yeah, they definitely have not. And they didn't win a single preseason game either. They're 0-9. Yeah, they're, they're having a rough go of it. Uh, Thomas Bryant is looking like a superstar. But beyond that, not a lot of nice things that can be said about the Washington Wizards. But one very nice thing that can be said for the Nets, we are in the playoffs. We are a lock for the playoffs. We are 1.5 games up on a slumping Orlando Magic. Uh, Simon, good time to be a Nets fan. Great time. I mean, it's it's a journey back in time to the Kenny Atkinson, you know, 20-win or 28-win um, teams where you're total crap and every team that you play, except maybe the Wizards, are more talented than you by a lot but because of that every player is just willing to do whatever and so they play a pleasing style of basketball you like um, the you like the movement the ball movement exactly the ball movement the selflessness on de- like everyone's like even when their defense is bad it's it's like you know they're they're trying out there uh, with the exception maybe the Celtics game, then it didn't really seem like they were trying. But mostly they are like giving 110 percent, even if they're they're losing. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a squad full of people that have to prove that they deserve a place in the NBA next season. Yeah. Do, do you think, William? I, this is a close. I'm not exactly sure what the answer is for me, but do you think this team has less talent or more talent or the same talent? As the 20-win Nets. The 20-win 20. Nets. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go back and look at, at that. That was 2017-18? Yeah, so it had Brooke Lopez. Right, I was going to say, that would... Most of career year. Right. right. And, and that, that was when he started shooting threes, too. Exactly. And it, it they technically had Jeremy Lin, but he played, I don't know, fewer than 20 games, I feel like. He had a real Kyrie season. Right. We had, oh, my God. Wait, this team was actually kind of good. I think this is the year after, the 28 win. Did we have um, Damari Carroll and Alan Crabb that year? No, it was a year before this, right? Exactly. Okay. So we had your Quincy AC. We had a little run with Anthony Bennett. Yeah, it was brief. Oh, we had Bojan Bogdanovic. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're totally right. So, yeah, yeah, we had some talent. We had Spencer Dinwiddie, who was not the Spencer Dinwiddie we know now. He was the guy we hated replacing Yogi Ferrell. Right. <laughs> we had Randy Foy. We had my boy, Archie Goodwin. We had maybe the biggest Nets heartbreak of my entire tenure, other than Archie Goodwin, Justin Hamilton. <laughs> Remember how convinced we were that that guy was going to be a stretch five for the ages? Yeah, you he had to get his glasses replaced. <laughs> had a young cast-off Joe Harris, a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who you could at that time convince yourself might one day be able to shoot. Definitely. Uh, yeah, a broken Jeremy Lin, a pretty much broken Karis LeVert, Chris McCullough, who we still had hopes for, K.J. Oh, McDaniels. Yeah. Oh, my God, I loved this team. 
Louis Scola. Oh yeah, Louis. Isaiah Whitehead, who you're like, yeah, we got a we got a steal on that guy. He was definitely one of our top five best players on that team. So yeah, from a talent perspective, right now, I mean. We have Karis, Jarrett, and Joe Harris. Those are three for sure NBA players. I guess Garrett Temple can be on that list. Yeah. Although, would you be shocked if he weren't in the league next year? I would not be shocked. I think he probably will be, but I wouldn't be like, what? No, it wouldn't It wouldn't blow my mind. I think he's good enough to still obviously be in the league for a little while longer. But, yeah, he's not a vital, a vital a piece of any team. Yeah. So yeah, I don't you know, Boyan and and um Brooke Lopez argue yeah. that it might be uh that's pretty talent heavy right there. Yeah. Well, but keep in mind uh, Boyan was not he was Nets Boyan, who was nowhere near the Yes, he the, was an unhappy unhappy guy in Brooklyn. Yes, and and not not as I mean I don't know if he's a good defender now, but he's certainly better now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean he was horrible at defense with the Nets. He was. I mean he had very very little to play for. He's actually on a decent team now. Seems motivated. I think it was in him the whole time. I miss Anthony Bennett. <laughs> yeah, you know who I don't think misses basketball one bit is Anthony Bennett. I actually heard he did really well in uh, the G League this year. Oh, okay. Uh, Quincy AC, that's a guy who would love a role on an NBA team, I think. Yep. He did not choose to go overseas. No. Uh, yeah, anyway, this is a great... I mean, it's a little different, this squad, but yeah, I think I think it would be uh, a coin toss, really, who would win in a five-on-five <laughs> game, the top five from 2016-17 versus now. Yeah. Um, Simon, how about most historic upset in NBA history? A Jarrett, Joe, Karras, Les, Nets defeating the best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, with Giannis, with Chris Middleton. Yeah. Um, at least I think they played about 15 minutes, but... but they logged but, minutes, so they yeah, played with them. Minutes. That's true. That's true. It was it was incredible. That was a really fun game to to see. Like it was just, I mean, you don't you don't beat a team like that, even their B squad, without a lot of luck in the shooting department. But mm-hmm. <laughs> they were also just like completely going for it. Like that was basically their playoffs. Were, were those players' playoffs? Like that. That's how. Like and it's refreshing because like we haven't seen that much because we've had players like a Kyrie who like takes off defense entirely, um, and you know Spencer and Karras who you know are also not big triers on defense. Like this was just a full on full full throated effort. So if we have already proven that we can beat the Bucks once. Mm-hmm. Simon, does that for you argue that we should try to fall to eighth so that we get that easy Bucks matchup? Or are you thinking we should try to lock in the seventh seed? 
So I think, William, to me, it's a question of like, it's a, it's like choosing your execution method. Like <laughs> you're going to lose, you're going to lose. If I can may use a, you know, a benign an, analogy. An, an understated analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think both teams, we're not going to win a game against both teams is going to be a painful, painful series. But to me, I would rather lose to the Bucks because what form of execution is the Bucks versus the Raptors? To me, I think a, the Bucks is like lethal injection. Oh, OK. okay it's a triumph. <laughs> a, an incredibly problematic one that often doesn't work these days. And <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but OK, a good uh, like a really uh, well done top of the line. Like, right. you it, know, the, the Mississippi Undertaker pulls it off just right. Before the pharmaceutical companies got wet feet about the fact <laughs> that their products were being used to murder people. Oh, um, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when those when those uh, three drug cocktails were flowing, um, are uh, they are are pharmaceutical companies becoming less yes, eager why, that's to? That's why we've had so many botched executions because now they have to like mix and match because it's like, like Chuck and Dale's Pharma Inc. Exactly. is providing the the. Well, yeah, mix a little of this and a little of that and. <laughs> give you something that might work but you know i don't really kill people for a living so right. you know i mean it's horrible i just want to state both william and i are very against the death penalty it's incredibly barbaric even when it was being run with a three dug cocktail that didn't leave people gasping for breath for uh, minutes and sometimes hours uh in what only the supreme the supreme court is pretty alone in describing as not um cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> that's but, a lonely position uh, they've taken on that yeah exactly um but anyway so yes bucks are pre that pre pill mill um uh <laughs> lethal injection and the the rappers to me are i would say like I don't know, like drawing and quartering, Ooh. like like they're just so because I always complain about the Nets not having any any toughness, any physicality. Mm-hmm. Well, the Raptors are like 150 percent that. Right. Like they're not the most talented team in the league, but the way they win is like through sheer like brute strength and determination and like physically imposing their will on their opponents. Right. Um, from 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 point guard Kyle Lowry, like one of the most dogged guard defenders in the league, to Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka down below, who can just bang with the Joel Embiid's of the league effortlessly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so those games when the Nets get out physicaled, which happens quite a bit, it's not just the Raptors, but when they get out physicaled, it's especially painful to me. Like when we give up 25 offensive rebounds and we can't, you know, get anything together, we're getting, we're getting bullied every which way. I, that's my least favorite way to lose for this Nets team. And so having the, the Bucks beat us is like sort of an elegant death. They're like shooting a million threes and like, Oh, you're down by 18 and there's three minutes gone in the game. Like, you know, and and Giannis is like dunking and has a million free throw, you know, attempts, and it's just, you know, 
um, a finesse. They're a finesse team more so than the Raptors, at least. I know they're very good at defense. Right, but and there's so just – and they have such an enormous – I think it's a historically high, at least top five of all time, point differential. Yeah. That there's not going to be a game that, that there's even a sense of hope at all for the Nets yeah. that they're going to make it through. It's just going to be a quick, easy, merciful kill. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What do you think? Um, you know, I I agree that in no in in neither scenario do the Nets seemingly stand any chance whatsoever of prevailing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see not even not even a Nets daily could <laughs> could foresee the Nets going to the second round against either of those teams. Right. Um. You know, a gentleman sweep would be nice, getting a game. I think we have, in spite of recent evidence that we can beat the Bucks. I really don't think we can if the Bucks are in the playoffs. And Giannis and Chris Middleton are playing more than 15 minutes a game, and they're a little more locked in. Um, whereas I think there's a chance that we could steal one off the old Raptors. Okay. Uh, so, and you know, just maybe a pride thing of finishing yeah. ahead of of the magic, especially when are going down there. It was just sort of like a foregone conclusion that Brooklyn would drop behind Orlando and that they would likely have to be in a play-in with the other worst team, Washington, and it was just going to be this clown show to see like which of these cartoonishly awful teams were going to we're going to have to play each other and it would just sort of been like the punching bag of the NBA, like if if they if they even bother to mention the Nets in a national podcast, it's always in a, a derogatory way. Uh, yeah. Quite frankly, even on this podcast, it's often in a derogatory <laughs> way. But um, you know, in, in that sense, in that sense, it would be good to finish ahead of the Magic, who people thought might make a little bit of a buzz down here in in the bubble since they, they were coming in fully healthy and they had been playing really well when, as the season ended and they have just not looked good at all. Of course they lost Jonathan Isaac, um, tragically in that game, uh, that pretty early game, second or third game for them. So they aren't fully healthy. I think Aaron Gordon has been sitting out a bit as well, but it's still, they're not as decimated by injuries as we are. So if we can still, get ahead of them and we are like i said a game and a half ahead of them so it would it would take some doing to see us fall of course we play them which would <laughs> which would help flip things around if they were yeah. to beat us in that it seems like it all comes down to that yeah because like, we've we got at this point simon we've got three games left clippers magic blazers blazers are playing for their playoff lives they have that's a must win game i Barring some incredibly unfortunate event in which, like, Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum goes out due to injury, mm-hmm. I cannot foresee the Nets winning that game. Yep. Uh, the Clippers, I I think pretty effortlessly, are going to beat us. I know last week I predicted maybe they wouldn't care, but I think even them not caring is is just about good enough to beat most teams in the NBA right now. They look really 
really good in this bubble. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so it'll come down to that magic game, I think. I don't, I don't know what the magic, the rest of the magic schedule is, but I'm, if, uh, the last four or five games, if there's is any indication, they aren't aren't going to win a whole lot of them. Yeah, they play the Pelicans, I believe, is their last game. Okay, so yeah, that's it. It's a absolutely huge must win game. I mean, must win. If we if we end up getting eighth, it's not the end of the world. Nothing. It's not going to change what happens in the first round dramatically, as we've already said. Yeah. But you know, seventh in the East, you can take a bit more pride in that than than the bottom of the East. I agree, especially because when we came in, as you were saying, like people were like, this isn't an NBA team. I mean, rightfully so. We just talked about this team better than the 20-win Nets. Um, but for us to come away with like four out of eight wins, that's pretty incredible given this this team we're working with. Absolutely. Today. I mean, that win against the Kings isn't nothing. Yeah. that's That was great. Um. All right, Simon, what if you and I were to take a little trip to <laughs> Katie's Corner? So we've been talking quite a lot about the bubble nets, uh, yeah. a fascinating assemblage of uh, <laughs> potential NBA players in their own right. But there are other nets out there in the world. Uh, you wouldn't know it. Based on press conference attendance or, <laughs> say, ever having actually suited up in a Nets jersey. But they're out there. And they, too, <laughs> are figures of some interest. A mm-hmm. uh, primary one, of course, is our man Kevin Durant, which is why we have a corner named in his honor. Yeah. And you sent me a tweet, Simon, about who has impressed Kevin Durant, our superstar, uh, our superstar who ghosted us this season. Uh, <laughs> this tweet is about who has impressed our ghosting superstar, Kevin Durant, in Brooklyn this year. In full disclosure, I have not, repeat, have not looked at this tweet. I would love it if you would tell both me and our listeners a little bit more about this tweet. Sure. So um, it's a it's a tweet that shows us a, a, a um, small segment of this podcast, uh, the name of which I don't remember that that Kevin Durant was interviewed on, and they asked him who he was surprised by, you know, on the Nets that you know they they maybe didn't realize was as good as they are now. Um, so a, a nice tee up question um, mm-hmm. on a on a podcast. Surely very glad to have uh, Kevin Durant on. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, not like, a hardballer. Right. Um, Brooke Lopez but, looks good this season. <laughs> but he's like, so he he mentions um, two players. He mentions Karis Levert and Chris Chioza. He says, oh, you know, maybe it's like not fair to say Karis Levert because. You know, he was established, at, you know, he's like a pretty good player. I knew he was good coming in. But, you know, he, he talks about how he he's like a good, he's a good team player. He is like, you know, fast. He can get his own shot. He can, and that he's just working on efficiency. And he feels like, 
Karras needs to, you know, not worry about shooting threes all the time and just kind of get to the cup and, and don't worry, you know, getting in the paint. Um, and just saying that, you know, saying various compliments, folks should find this clip, um, and listen to it for a a more detailed, um, description. And then Chioza, he's saying, you know, I think basically he says, I think Chioza has shown that he belongs in the NBA. So he was Uh, saying he doesn't think Kara should shoot. He was saying he was he was like it's kind of hard to tell from the from the the quote exactly what he's saying, but he's saying what Karras needs to work on now is his efficiency, and that's what he's kind of working on now. It's, he seems to be saying is like not shooting a million threes because that's not Karras's game. It seems like that's what he's saying, and instead he needs to be just focusing on like getting to the rim and getting in the paint um, generally. Um, and not being afraid to shoot mid-range, I think is what he's saying. I don't really know. But <laughs> the reason for bringing this up, folks should listen to look at the clip. I, I maintain it's sort of hard to say what he's trying to – sort of hard to tell what he's trying to say. But my point is – my point of bringing this up to you, William, is that this is another sort of dot on the map of I think Karis LeVert will be on this team next year. I, we've talked about other things Kevin Durant has done to sort of indicate that that Kara, he's fond of Karis. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel like that that fondness coupled with the fact that I don't think Karis is going to fetch very much on the trade market right now um, just sort of feels to me like Karis is is here to stay. And then Chioza is interesting because I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, I've, I've contemplated the idea of Chioza being on our team next year, mm-hmm. but I hadn't thought of that, that being a Kevin Durant thing, like Kevin Durant's preference being a factor in that. Um, oh, and he also mentions Jamal Crawford in another clip about being like, well, if he, even if he's like your 15th man, you know, he's getting reports from Sean Marks that say that all these all the players love him. The Nets love him. Love having him around, and you got to have a guy like that on your roster. So it seems like Jamal Crawford might be in our team as well. All right, I didn't get an opportunity to see him in his extremely limited uh, debut yeah. with the Nets. Yeah. Yeah, you blink and you miss him. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, but Simon, speaking of players that people think are good on the Nets. Uh huh. It sounds like you've been chasing a waterfall lately. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? TLC? Your new favorite player? No, no, that's not TLC. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought, okay, anyway, let me back that up for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Simon no, no. sent me something about his new favorite player on the team. I don't think I actually read the thing, but somehow skimmed and saw TLC's name, so assumed your new favorite player was TLC. He's also been playing well, or at least has had a good game or two. Yes. yes um, and is a guy who seems like uh, he could be on the back end of this roster next season. Yeah, potentially. I sort of hope not, but yes. You yes. could get him for very, very little. He provides some defense, theoretically, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's the 12th or 13th guy on this team, you know, you don't have to expect to see him play very much unless we're ravaged by injuries as we seemingly always are. But, right. um, who is, who is your favorite player then? 
Dante Hall. Oh, well, great. And I'll tell you why, because um, he threw Giannis to the ground. Uh, and he, he basically chased him from the game. Uh, and it was just incredible. Like, they were, like, battling for a rebound, I guess, is what the, the uh, you know, the readout from uh, a Nets, like, PR account would describe it as. But he's basically just tosses him to the ground. And Giannis gets up and is upset, as anyone would be if they were thrown to the ground. Um, uh, and it's just like that's exactly, as we talked about, the goon mentality that the Nets so desperately need. Um, Donta Hall has his weak spots. In fact, I, I believe he was a minus 16 in five minutes uh, in the game against the Kings, which is pretty impressively bad. Uh, and, but so he looked totally lost, but I would take it in a heartbeat if it meant some physicality, some ruthlessness out there, um, from a young, uh, unafraid, um, uh, lobs and blocks guy. Yeah. How many minutes is he getting a game right now? Well, good cue. Um, I don't think that many, I, I, I don't have it up, but. Um, he got a lot in the Bucks game. He was pretty good with the Bucks, I think. Um, but mostly, if this Bubble Nets team is at full strength, he doesn't get very much. Um, Rody mostly is this backup center, for better or worse. <laughs> but um, as soon as any front court player goes down, they have to play Dante Hall. Yeah, looks like he got. 20 against the Bucks, 15 against Boston, and only 5 against the Kings. Yeah. So not a huge amount of run, but good to see him out there. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. I hope that we at least sign him to a two-way deal. Um, all right, Simon, shall we get to our mail, 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 mail bag? Yes, let's do it. Very excited to have one. All right, so we got our mail bag all full up. Uh, and if you, listener, are interested in us responding to one of your pressing Nets questions, send it in to our Twitter or Gmail Maybe next time at gmail.com. That's probably the best place to reach us. Or Twitter. Maybe next time. Uh, this one is from listener Luis Torres. And he asks, Simon, is Jacques Vaughn not a bad coach? Or Nets just beat a bad Wizards team and a Giannis-less Bucks? Mm. So is Jacques Vaughn is are the wins that the Nets have been piling up? Can we attribute that to old Jacques Vaughn, or are there other circumstances for this? I know you wanted to talk a bit about Jacques Vaughn's defense, but in general, where are where are you at with our coach at present? Oh, um, I'm pretty much exactly where I was before. I mean, I. I think he is able to get something out of a talentless team, like get get more out of a talentless team than you might expect. But the Nets just fired a coach who had proven he could do that as well. 
um, and did that over the course of, you know, three seasons. So I, I just don't like, we've seen this, we've, we've seen this team before. It's a crap team who will do what you want them to because, because what you want them to, because they don't have any other choice. Like it's the Nets way or the, the highway. Uh, and that doesn't prove anything really to me. And that's not Jacques Vaughn's fault that he, it's impossible to prove much, but I just feel like, what is the point of, I still feel like, what is the point of firing Kenny Atkinson if you're bringing on a Jacques Vaughn? Right. I think in general, you're right. The bubble is not really a good place to judge, um, you know, how good a coach is just in general because of how weird it is. And it's especially difficult to judge in this case because none of the players who matter for this team are really playing right now. Um, So it'd be very difficult to judge it based on this. But I think in general that the coaching decision should be, this is what I, I think basically like the one criterion for who should be the coach should be who could bring out the most in KD and Kyrie. Like that's what we should be thinking about when we're thinking about who the coach should be. I fear, however, Simon, we have talked at length about this, so we won't go into it too much here. I fear that instead of that being the question, who can bring out the most of them, the coaching decision is going to be more based on who do Kyrie and KD like the most. Right. And I'm wondering if, if there's any hope that perhaps – both who can bring out the most in them and who they like the most. If there's any chance that could be the same person. <laughs> I, I think the, the only person that might fit that bill is Ty Lue. And I don't know if they actually want Ty Lue. Um, but I think that Ty Lue was able to work with Kyrie and kind of challenge him in a way that at the very least, you know, he probably had his best year you know, by some measures at least, with him. Um, And I think he was able to, you know, there's the story of LeBron in that Game 7 where he sort of um, used some psychological, uh, you know, tools to try to bring out the most in in LeBron. Um, And so I think he is a... From everything that I have read, he is a fantastic, like, people person. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus, I think, could potentially bring out um, the best in those two players while still maintaining a, a professional, good relationship. Uh, well, thanks for the question, Luis. That was... Yes, I, I genuinely enjoy thinking about this coaching thing because quite a lot I mean it seems like Brooklyn is in such a prime position to land almost any coach they want right like a, a couple years ago when the Bucks hired Mike Budenholzer who you know in the playoffs especially people start kind of trashing him for his rigidity of, of style but Say what you will, he's he's turned the Bucks into the best, at least regular season team by far in the league. He was a much sought after coach, and he had an offer from 
Toronto and from the Bucks, and he chose to go with the Bucks because they had Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with that logic, I can I could see how of all the coaching positions that are going to be opening up this season, the Nets could be the most desirable one. So we really kind of do have the pick of the litter, and then you couple that with just the strangeness and uh, worrisomeness of the fact that KD and Kyrie seem to be extremely involved in the process of this. (laughs) And it just makes for a really compelling situation, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a lot of drama. A lot of drama. Have you seen, speaking of one thing that could get in our our way of of perhaps being... The, the most desirable team is uh, a lot of murmurings about Gentry getting oh. replaced. I think Woj just had a story about that possibility. He's not saying that they plan to fire Gentry, but he is. I mean, the whole point of the article is like that could be. And here are some people, and one of the people they mention as as possible uh, people that they would look at is Ty Lue as well as Jason Kidd. Oh wow. Uh, I seriously doubt they would go for Jason Kidd, <laughs> but yeah, the Ty Lue would make sense because David Griffin's there and he had he hired Ty Lue, and and so he might yeah I could that would be a more that could be a more desirable place for sure. Right. Um, did you want to say something about Jock Vaughn's defense? Oh, while we're just, on the no, subject of I coaches, sending, no, I was mostly just sending that for a, for a private lull for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> But it was just Steve Lichtenstein, friend of the shows, um, wrote a thing, uh, wrote a piece recently in which, in part of it, he sort of criticizes the the Nets' new sort of wrinkle to their to their defense that um, very much does not switch. They do not. They don't really switch very much still, and they still seem to like die on ball screens. Um, so he's describing that now this new wrinkle is like, yes, you're definitely dying on a ball screen and Jared Allen is still dropping back, getting ready for the drive. But instead of forcing a mid range jumper, we seem to be uh, quote unquote forcing a wide open three point, which, <laughs> which is an interesting analytical take, uh, on, um, on basketball these days, but yes, it did. I mean, especially with the Celtics game, like they just got every three player they wanted. No, and um, and you could see it uh, as well against the Wizards. Yeah, um, where Bryant right. had like a flurry of three pointers that were totally right. uncontested. Yeah, so it's kind of a Budenhoser meets Kenny Atkinson D, where <laughs> wide open threes are the juice that you're trying to squeeze from (laughs) very weird it is very very strange um all right simon could you solicit maybe some really nice comments and feedback from people in various places (laughs) sure if you want to and even if you don't just suck it up (laughs) And so we all do things we don't want to Put do. on your big boy pants. Put on your big boy pants, okay? It's time to to take take the medicine and send us an email 
like Luis Torres did. Thank you for that. Um, uh, and uh, send us a, a Gmail. Maybe next time at gmail.com. Send us a Twitter direct message at maybe next time. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at maybe next time. And write a review of us that is five stars. That's the maximum allowable star rating. That's what we we need, and frankly, that's what we deserve. Uh, <laughs> yes, and for those of you who have grown accustomed to our concluding segment in which Simon and I invite two lucky nets to join us at a restaurant in or around the Orlando area, this... Is, we are going to realize IRL Jay-Z's dream, potentially, of a spin-off podcast called... <laughs> you talking to me and you? <laughs> <laughs> you talking to men, you? Uh, it'll launch soon. We'll, we'll plug it once it has on this show. But just in case you're wondering why we're not talking about what type of wings we prefer right now. <laughs> That's the reason. Right. Okay. Well, without further ado, we are going to go ahead and see ya. That's it. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. She lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like pina colada